Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois, and we have got a great show for you today. We're going to be chatting with local food, small farms educator, Doug Gooker, about the pawpaw. But before we get to Doug, let us introduce our co-host with us every single week. We have local foods and small farms educator, Katie Parker and Quincy. Hey, Katie. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? Good, good. You know, as we've had more of your team members on, I realized I have been shorting your title. You are more than just local foods. You are local foods and small farm systems educator. So I apologize about that. <laughs> I mean, technically it's local food systems. Oh my gosh. So you're really right. shortening it. <laughs> but shorter is always better. So I'll can. write that down. Okay. <laughs> We'll get it next time, I promise. I promise. Local <laughs> food systems, small farms. Okay. Right. With adding that, we'll have to definitely like cut out some questions because we'll really <laughs> elongate the show. Well, I mean, at least it, we're it not. It took me three years to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I had to quote our colleague, Peggy Doty, who's been on the show about Bruno the Baron so much. Uh, when you're in a press release and you got the energy and environments, uh, stewardship, edu- I mean, you, you run out of words pretty quick. So at least I, I, Ken, you and I, we're just the horticulture team. And speaking <laughs> of Ken, let's welcome Ken Johnson, horticulture educator in Jacksonville. Hi, Ken. Well, as far as I name, as far as I know, we're just horticulture. You haven't uh, renamed uh, us yet. Not yet. It's probably coming. We'll see. Ken, Katie, have either of you tried a pawpaw before? I have. I have it. It was several years ago that I have once in my life. Did you so, enjoy it? Yeah, it was good. Good. Can't complain. I, I can't really remember what it tasted like, so it wasn't anything like. What else were you eating or drinking that day? Um, well, so Katie, you've never tried a pawpaw. So tell me what, uh, I actually did this last week even. I had two different types I tried. But the other people that were with us, they, um, some people had a problem because there is a texture. There can be a texture thing. So do you like ripe bananas? No. No. Okay. You might not like pawpaws. (laughs) How about you, Ken? As long as they're not like black and ready for banana bread, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I should be an interesting show then because I, there was a lot of diversity in the two types of pawpaws that I tried. One tasted like a mango. The other tasted like a banana and it was really interesting. And, and so, yeah, we can dive right into that. So I guess speaking of pawpaws, let's introduce our special guest for today, a local wait. Okay. Hang on. Um, we'll get this Doug. I promise local food systems and small farms educator, Doug Gooker. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being had here, Doug. And so uh, we're going to be talking pawpaws today, but you haven't been on the Good Growing Podcast before. So tell us a little bit about yourself. One, one, what do you do for extension? And two, where are you in the state of Illinois? Well, the easier question is I'm, I'm in Decatur, Illinois, um, in the shadow of Archer Daniels Midland, literally. Um, and for anyone in corn and soybean land, they know exactly who Archer Daniels Midland is. Um, and what do I do? 
Well, I'm like Katie. I'm a local food systems and small farms educator, which means we cover a wide variety of topics. We were mentioning earlier, you know, we do have a, you know, two livestock educators, but they do the big ones and you guys kind of get the, the smaller everything, ones, everything, everything else, else. <laughs> everything. everything else, <laughs> two feet, four feet, <laughs> great, whether they graze or don't graze at us. <laughs> you. And then the plants and then the plant side of the equation. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. They, they fond, fond, fondly, affectionately have nicknamed our team the everything else team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So everything else, including pawpaws. Yes, yes. And I did that on my own, very own, on my very own. I can't blame that on extension. You were just preparing for the future questions. You didn't cover everything. <laughs> that, 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 I, yes, yes. But yes, Popeyes, Popeyes, that was something I started on my own. All right. So speaking of Popeyes, and Chris kind of mentioned this already, um, they're kind of uniquely flavored fruit. <clears throat> um, and they're kind of a tropical fruit, which is tropical tasting, which is kind of unusual for a plant that is native to this part of the country or the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about <clears throat> Popeyes, kind of the history of the tree and whatnot? Well, actually, Popeye is the largest tree tree fruit native to North America. Uh, it's in the same family as the custard apple, which is a tropical fruit uh, family of trees and fruit. Um, soursop, uh, it, most of the fruits that most people aren't familiar with uh, here where we live. Uh, but uh, it is native here. It was widely eaten by the Native Americans um, before the settlers came. And uh, it's, uh, as, as you said, Ken, um, it has an unusual flavor. Um, I have five different varieties. And so when I pick mine, I process them all together. So I get a blend of flavors. And so um, I try to tell people to me, uh, after I get done with it, that it, it tastes like a very mild tropical fruit, something similar to a banana crossed with a mango, crossed with pineapple, and maybe a hint of berry thrown in for good measure. And so it's like nothing you've ever tasted. It's not like, oh, it tastes like chicken or it tastes like an apple. No, it's, it's completely different, but it's mild. It's a mild flavor. It's not a strong flavor. A tropical smoothie? Yeah. Well, by the time mine are processed, it's somewhat similar to that. Somewhat similar to that. They typically grow as an understory tree in nature. Um, on I lo always love this description. On moist, well-drained soils. I mean, I've always found that <laughs> exactly. Moist, well-drained soil. Uh, but typically that meant that they were on the slopes above a river bottom or stream bottom kind of in that area where it's wet, but it's not saturated, but wet most all the time. Uh, they're hardy up through zone five. So now with uh, our, uh, our warming of temperatures, uh, we're good across the whole state of Illinois for pawpaws. 20 years ago, it was only to the middle of the state, but now we're good all the way to the Wisconsin border and beyond. So they really do well um, when they're grown in full, in full sun, uh, typically, and our new varieties are typically 12 to 20 feet tall, pretty nice. 
in the wild, when they're understory, they can reach uh, four stories tall. So, because once again, they're fighting for light. So they're really stretching up there. Um, root suckering can be an issue. Uh, that's probably more of a concern with them, kind of like the persimmon tree. If you've ever had a persimmon, they love to root sucker. Uh, and so with this, it's just something you have to keep in mind. Just something you have to keep in mind. But yeah, yeah, they do well. They do, they do quite well. Uh, they do need a little protection since they have big drooping leaves. I mean, their leaves can be eight to 12 inches uh, long. So, I mean, it's a big broad leaf and so a little protection from the wind is good. So Doug, what made you interested in growing pawpaw trees? Well that's the same question my wife asked me 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> she still asked me that to, to be honest uh, but um, actually I read an article from Kansas uh, Kentucky State University and they were talking about this unique fruit that was native to North America, grew all across the eastern U.S., um, that uh, was uh, sought after. It was unique, um, but it did have some difficulty with how you get the actual pulp separated from the seed. And that is part of the issue with the pawpaw. Um, is it has big seeds in this pulp. And so uh, you scoop it out, but then you still have the seeds in there. And when I'm talking big seeds, they're kind of like a skinny kidney bean in size. This is not something that you just spit out. These are big seeds. These are big seeds. And so, um, so it, it, it's a fruit that's worth the, the effort but for a lot of people in our convenient society, they would like much prefer to have it prepared. And so that's still one of the big hurdles we're facing. But anyway, I got into it because it was something that at the time they thought was going to take off in the Midwest because it's very, it's very unique. It grows well in the Midwest and there is demand for the fruit among people that like it. I've heard even that in, in Europe that I don't think they ship well, uh, kind of as you mentioned, the whole processing thing. But in Europe, if they can get pawpaw over there, it's considered like a delicacy in, mm -hmm. in those restaurants over there. I, I would not be surprised. And they're actually now have some registered propagators over in Europe hmm. with some of the American varieties just for that reason, because they only have a shelf life. I mean, refrigerated, they have a shelf life over a week. Uh, but if you pick it and just set it on the counter, um, three, maybe five days, maybe five days. Where in the refrigerator you can get, I've gotten up to two weeks and they hold fine. They hold fine. Uh, but they do ripen quickly once they're ripe. So kind of in that vein, it sounds like this would be a, a great tree fruit for maybe someone with the backyard that has a little bit of room for an understory tree to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and because, you know, you're probably going to be growing the only pawpaws that you'll ever eat in your own backyard. <laughs> what happens when somebody wants to do this? Are, do we have varieties that we've cultivated? Can you get by with one tree? Doug, what, let's say I got a seed catalog in front of me and they got a page of pawpaws. What do I need to know? Yeah, you want to buy a new variety, uh, not particularly a native variety. I mean, we can get some pretty cheap pawpaw trees. Um, I've seen them advertised for $5. But 
that's going to be one of our, that's going to be a native tree. So it's going to have small fruit, large seeds. The fruit will be tasty, but it's a lot of effort for a small reward. <laughs> and so the real question is like, like most, most of our fruit, if you're going to plant a fruit tree, you want to get one of our newer varieties that's tested. And we've got four, four that are really uh, pretty good right now, pretty good. Um, they have a high flesh to seed yield, uh, particularly, uh, I'll give you the name of four of them, um, Allegheny, <laughs> Potomac, Shenandoah, and Susquehanna. And if any, if, if any of you have ever been on the East Coast, you, you know where these names came from. And so, um, but uh, they all do, they're some of the new ones. In fact, I'm, I've got two Shenandoahs on order to plant this spring because I have five different varieties and they're, they're some of the older improved varieties, uh, Overlease, K2, uh, let's see, Pennsylvania Golden, uh, Sunflower, and North Carolina 1, NC1. And, and they're good. They're very good. They're very good. But uh, I'm just looking to see if I can get a little higher yield on the uh, uh, flesh to seed, the pulp mm -hmm. to seed. But yeah, yeah, they fit well in the backyard. Uh, our new varieties, like I said, 12 to 20 feet tall, partial to full sun. They, han uh, they handle partial to full sun quite well. Uh, they do not necessarily need a, another tree to cross-pollinate with. Um, however, a bigger concern when you only have one tree is, is that um, these are pollinated in the spring by flies. Um, the, the, the bloom has um, uh, an odor that attracts flies. I'll just leave it that way. It's a very pretty bloom, but you probably wouldn't want a bouquet on the table. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, that, that the bloom is actually uh, kind of a deep maroon color and uh, it, it is, it's very pretty. Um, I've taken pictures of it several times. Um, so yeah, yeah, they're very nice. But yeah, uh, it would work in a backyard just fine, just fine. But just get a newer variety. I think you're going to be much happier. So the, <clears throat> the four newer ones you just uh, listed off, are those from the Kentucky State? Uh, Kentucky State... Those aren't from Kentucky State. They're from actually someone who has worked with Kentucky State and who developed them. And so uh, Kentucky State has some new releases as well. Uh, just uh, these seem to be even more improved. And Kentucky State, unfortunately, um, it seems like they've moved on from pawpaws and they, they've really, their work seems to have ended around the mid 2000 teens down there. They still maintain their page and all their information. Um, the most current information I got was from uh, two uh, uh, retired extension people from North Carolina uh, that have done a 12 or 13 year pawpaw trial and working. And towards the end, they started working with some of these newer releases. Um, uh, and so those are the ones and the and these new releases i have to say they're hard to get um, there's a lot of demand for them um, just because everyone is kind of trying to go for that next step that larger fruit 
the fruit is large enough, but the smaller seeds. And, and most of this is just being done by selection, just selection. So it just takes time. So then when you're, when you're buying trees, are you buying grafted trees? Is that of course, of course, grafted trees, grafted trees. Yes. That's, and you know, is it, do they have like particular rootstocks or is it just a seedling rootstock? Uh, they, the idea with the grafted is, is that uh, it, they're just more vigorous, more vigorous. And you get a, a, a tree that's going to, uh, you're going to have a better idea of what it's going to be. Um, so that's, I've always had graft, grafted trees, um, try, get them from a good nursery. And um, I've, I mean, I've lost a few. I mean, you lose a few of anything, but for the most part, no, I've, I've, I think I only lost two of, of, the, of the 15 or 16 that I planted originally. So what type of pests do we need to monitor for pawpaws? That's another reason why I, I decided to grow them. Um, the pawpaw has very few pests. It, it really does, particularly when they're grown in the open. Um, they really have. I, I have experienced no real difficulty. I mean, uh, sometimes I get white flies down there pretty serious, uh, but even that doesn't really seem to affect them. Uh, it's more of an issue of it just having been a dry spell and not having any rains to kind of keep the white flies under control. Uh, but no, they don't really have uh, any real diseases. Um, yes, the fruit will form some dark, uh, darker splotches on it as it gets ripe, but that isn't a disease. It's just kind of a sign that it's getting ripe and you better be watching these things because these things weigh up to over a half a pound, some of the fruit does, and they come in clusters of three or four. And so uh, when one falls from the cluster, it kind of shakes the cluster and all of a sudden you have a rainstorm, I mean, a heavy rainstorm out there. And so uh, pawpaws, when they're ripe, they fall. And so it's one of those things that I've learned that I need to go out and check them about every other day once they begin to get ripe, once they begin to get ripe and just go around and I just kind of feel them. And if they release, they're ripe. If they're released, they're ripe. Um, and that seems to have been my secret. Of course, before that, I just watch and just look to see if there's a color change. Um, they're kind of a, a green, light green color. And they begin to sometimes turn to a pale, very pale green or yellow. Some of the varieties turn begin to turn yellow. And when they begin to get like that, it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're ready. They're ready. And, and you start picking them up because otherwise they just drop thud and they bruise extremely easily and so once they hit the ground it's, it's it, you better do something with it right away or leave it for the animals so doug you mentioned harvesting um so th is harvesting happening in the fall it is that typical for a pawpaw yes it's like late summer okay uh, actually, um, uh, for, for the varieties that I have, uh, they don't uh, become ripe until mid to late September, and it, and it depends on the year. I've had some years where it was shortly after Labor Day, uh, and then other years when it's been like this year, it was more towards the end of September. 
And once again, I think it's just kind of a native tree and it kind of adapts a little bit to what nature gives it. And so the rain's kind of shut down for a while, at least over here in East Central Illinois. Uh, in parts of August and early September. And then the rain started in again in uh, mid-August, uh, mid-September, we got a few more. And then it just seemed like, boom, they started ripening yeah, because I went out after Labor Day and it was like, oh no, they're not even close to ready. Um, but that's traditionally, I start checking after Labor Day weekend and then uh, check periodically after that. I typically the middle of September is kind of a good starting date for them and the and the different varieties mature at different rates. Uh, my overlease they they're kind of my first one they're kind of my first one. Now, is there any food safety issues with them being on the ground like that's because they're a pretty thick skin right. Yes, they have it they have a they have a, a very thick skin. Um, the well. <laughs> Uh, the issue is, is that you're now talking to the Food Safety Modernization Act. Uh, safety, I know you have that too. <laughs> pro, produce safety rule trainer. And so <laughs> dropped produce is not to be sold. And so that is the effect official statement okay <laughs> thought i'd ask you know I, was, I knew i had you on the phone here so <laughs> that's right <laughs> sorry it hasn't gone over well with tomato growers either so you know <laughs> and apple growers but yeah that that's it uh and and really you don't want it to fall on the ground because it does bruise very easily as as i learned in my early years because I sometimes pick it up when it just literally fell out of my hand onto the ground and I take it in the house and the next day there'd be just this big old bruise where it hit the ground and it was like, ah, okay, don't bother with that. Don't bother yeah. with that. Uh, so no, no, the real idea is with this is it's a delicate fruit, a del delicate flavor, delicate to handle. Um, and that's what you just want to keep in mind. Once you get it harvested and you put it in a refrigerator, it'll, it'll keep a week to two weeks. Um, I, I have no problem keeping them 10, to two, 10 days to 14 days in the refrigerator till I get enough to do something with, uh, particularly early in the season. So yeah, no, no problem, no problem. So, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, they're a date, they're a big, fruit <laughs> but but when they but they're delicate so do you have issues with wildlife when they start ripening like a lot of other fruit you know like squirrels I, or birds or raccoons or anything else getting into them? I, I definitely know when i have raccoons in the neighborhood because they clean them up i mean to tell you in nothing flat <laughs> they, they love them raccoons love them um, and so, yeah, uh, that the wildlife do love, uh, particularly possums, squirrels, raccoons. They they really do love do love uh, pawpaws because it is a very sweet, uh, mild tasting fruit, and it's also a fruit that when it does fall, there's a lot of it, and they're getting you know getting ready to hibernate, so they can pack on uh, some calories really fast. So if you do beat the wildlife to your pawpaws, That's how, do you right. go, how, you, how do you go about eating them? Is there certain parts you can and can't eat or can you just eat the whole thing? Or Well, 
as in one of your questions, you, 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 you alluded to the fact they have a tough skin. They do. They, they, have, a, they have a thick skin. Um, I don't know if it's so much tough or thick, um, but when you, when you prepare them, you, you uh, for me personally, I cut them uh, uh, in half uh, long ways and uh, longitudinally. And then that way I can uh, separate them, uh, kind of twist them apart, kind of twist them apart. And then I have my, there's two rows of seeds in there. And if, you do, if you're lucky, you get one row on one side, one row on the other side. Um, and then I take a, a tablespoon um, when they're ripe and the flesh is already uh, soft. I mean, the, the pulp around the skin is already soft because that's one of the signs that they're they're ripe, and so then you just get that spoon in there uh, between uh, the the tougher skin and the uh, ripe flesh, and it just pops right out. It just comes right out, um, and then then you have to separate uh, the pulp and the seed. And um, uh, Kentucky State has done quite a bit of, of research into this. Um, their method that they prefer to use is a uh, uh, horizontal um, food mill, um, kind of that you would use for like making tomato sauce or applesauce, where you have a screw handle somewhat similar to like a, a meat grinder or something like that. And it has a spiral screw, screw that then uh, takes the pulp and the seed down it. Um, and they, they use a, a grape. Uh, seed spiral, uh, which is deeper than our traditional tomato apple type of uh, spiral, and then a, a pumpkin screen so that the uh, flesh comes out easier. And that works. That that does, I've 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 tried it. I've tried it. I and I've used it. Um, I it you, you still get quite a bit of flesh that bypasses that way with those big seeds because the seeds just kind of push it right on through. Um, and so you lose about 10% of the, the pulp that way. But if you're in a hurry, it's the way to go. It's the way to go. Uh, I use a cone colander. I started using it this year after uh, 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 seeing a YouTube with the Missouri Conservation Officer and he swore by it. So I gave it a shot this year and um, it actually works the best of anything I've tried. And so um, works quite well. I was really happy. Even my wife said, you know, you just have seeds this time. <laughs> <laughs> seeds and skin this time. I mean, just seeds this time. <laughs> you, you don't have all the pulp like in years past. And I go, yeah, yeah. And when it comes out this way, uh, you have something that's kind of the consistency of kind of like applesauce uh, or, or pumpkin pumpkin after you've processed pumpkin it's kind of that consistency and so it works really well in baked recipes things like that i i had some pawpaw bread and it's more like a bread pudding i would almost call it that it was very thick heavy delicious absolutely delicious oh um, yes 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 it was good yeah yeah pawpaw custard you know like egg custard uh mm -hmm. i have not uh tried uh, pawpaw creme brulee yet but that that is i th i think it, it it bears my trying um pawpaw cream pie is really good as is pawpaw cheesecake 
uh, and ice cream, papa ice mm -hmm. cream. It, it's a very delicate, mild ice cream. It's one of my wife's favorites. Mm -hmm. I, I tried them raw too. I mentioned early on in the show. So one was actually that Pennsylvania gold that you had <laughs> mentioned. Um, and I can't remember which was which. One of them had that mango flavor, had a bit firmer flesh uh, pulp. The other one is a local nursery here. They specialize in native plants. They've been breeding their own pawpaws for many years. That was that one. I wonder if that one was the more mushy or banana-y tasting one. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know, but right. Right. it was good. Right. And, and, they, and they are. And, and that's where um, those four new varieties that I mentioned earlier on, um, they also, once again, are kind of trying to also get that a more uniformity in flavor and going for the mild tropical type of flavor, which is what uh, a lot of uh, pawpaw, pawpaw aficionados really go for is that, that kind of mild tropical flavor, like where in the world did this North American fruit come from? This sounds like a, a good one to add to our taste test show mm -hmm. with cicadas and pawpaws. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, 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 I happen to have uh, have have some frozen pulp. Oh, we know who to call then. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to have some frozen pulp, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it does. But I I agree the custardy kind of things, pawpaws work in really well. They really do. It, it, it's kind of my favorite. It, it's kind of my go-to breakfast for pawpaws. Pawpaw custard. Oh yeah. Of course, cheesecake's not bad. <laughs> especially for breakfast yes that's right especially for breakfast if you can't is, that's it's why you always have so much energy Doug. yeah yeah <laughs> sugar that, high that, that eight cups of coffee <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have sugar and caffeine what what <laughs> so being that they are tree fruits um do you have to do any special pruning to be able to reach the fruit? Uh, uh, other than um, the only real pruning is, you know, um, is for lower branches for ease of picking and, and accessing the tree. Um, the other key thing is, particularly when we're starting out with, with young uh, new trees, is we want to keep the grass out away from the trees so that they don't have that competition. Otherwise, they just do not grow at all. They'll just sit there and putter along. And if you're lucky, they'll continue to grow. So you want to keep that grass away, um, which I'm sure I know my hort educators preach about <laughs> Time. With, with landscape plants. And mm -hmm. I would have to say it's the exact same thing with, with fruit trees. We want to do that. And so, and, and I, I completely agree that that if you're going to spend the money, because these trees are expensive, I mean, if you get a good variety, um, you're gonna you're gonna drop a couple of twenties at least for <laughs> one of these trees. And so uh, let's do a good job and also protect the tree from the varmints. So put a shelter around it, particularly if you're in a place where you have rabbits or voles that could chew on the bark, uh, give it some protection until it gets up and gets some age on it. 
uh, do some things like that. But no, as far as pruning, uh, just lower branches for ease of maintenance. And the fact that they typically, our new varieties only go uh, 12 to 20 feet tall, they, they really don't get all that tall. In fact, most of mine are more in the 12, maybe 15 foot range. And so if I need to get higher fruit, I just use one of those apple picking fruit pickers on a pole type of thing. And it works really well, reach up there and gently touch it. And if it releases, it falls right in the basket. And then you go, and usually about one is about all that fits in the basket anyway. And so, so you just move on, you just move on. And, and, it, and, and it's not like the trees, um, they produce a lot, but it's not all at once. You, you can go out, you will pick from the trees over a period of about a week or so. Um, the fruit ripens at different times on the tree. Well, Doug, that was a lot of great information about pawpaws. I'm excited. So I, uh, at my little pawpaw experience last week, I also grabbed a bunch of seed from the pulp and I just threw them in the backyard. So we'll see if anything. Oh, happens. they come up. <laughs> Oh, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I have one growing in a crack at my back at my back steps. And it was like, oh, shucks, I dropped one. <laughs> that was from last year. Oh, shucks. <laughs> well, that's good news for me. Yeah. And then maybe in five years, I can have some pawpaw trees. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, you uh, will. You will, unless you mow them off. I'll try not to. We'll we'll I will flag them and mark them and keep a cage to keep the critters away, like you said. So that's right. That's right. Well, Doug, thank you for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. Well, the Good Growing Podcast is produced by Wendy Ferguson, and this week it is edited by Katie Parker. Thanks, Katie. I am Chris Enroth, and thank you to our co-host with us every single week, Katie Parker, Ken Johnson. Good seeing you guys. Thanks, Doug, for joining us. It's always a pleasure to learn more from you. Ah, and Chris hey, and Kate. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, the three of you with what you're doing over there with your blogs and everything, it's really cool <laughs> what, what you, the three of you are doing over there. And it's a great collaboration you have going on over there. Did you hear that, folks? You should subscribe to this blog. We'll leave a link below. <laughs> 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 oh, I didn't know we were still on. <laughs> <laughs> and Ken and Chris, it's always good to see you guys. Yes, thank you, Doug. I've got some new plants to add to my list of things to try now. Again, my wife probably will not be happy with me, but she'll get over. <laughs> She's going to make you stop doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris and Katie, thank you as always. And let's do this again next week. Oh, we shall do this again next week. It's Halloween coming up. What spooky items will we have for you next week, folks? Well, you will find out. Listeners, thank you for doing what you do best, and that is listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, watching, and as always, keep on growing.